0: You are God. You are an awesome God. You sing that with us. Come
1: on. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Cartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at.
0: What a beautiful song, hey? I will call upon your name. Lift my eyes above the storm. Lift my eyes above what's happening around me. And keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, hey? That's our prayer today. And uh, such a privilege to be here. Thank you, Phil. Phil's been a lifelong friend. And uh, I said to him, I said... I must have preached in this church ten times. I said to him in the office before the service, I said, hopefully this time next year I'll be able to invite you to our church to preach and return the favour. So we look forward to that day. Fantastic. Great to be here. Anyone here for the first time? It's your first time in Heartsease today. Welcome, welcome. Great to have you here. Let's give these guys a welcome. I want to start by asking us a question today if you have a notepad a pen an iPad um, a phone or something just to take notes messages aren't necessarily messages for now but messages are messages for the future okay and so you might listen to this and think this doesn't apply to me right now but let me tell you one day it will apply to you and then you will have the keys to find the answer to the situation so I want to encourage you just to grab a grab something to take notes we remember sixty percent more of what we write down and so it's really really Encourage you to take notes, and uh, we're going to see what God's going to do. This morning, I want to start by asking us a question. It's uh, it's kind of a might sound a little bit of an elementary question, but I want us to write this question down and be thinking of the answer. What are you believing God for in 2014? What are you believing God for? What is the one thing or the two things you're believing God for? Maybe it's the same thing that you believe God for in 2012. Maybe it's to clear your credit card. Uh, Maybe it is to um, pay your house off. Maybe it is to have a clear medical report. Maybe it is to see your son or daughter come back to Christ. Maybe there's so many miracles that we can be believing for in 2014. And uh, I firmly believe that we don't see enough miracles. I firmly believe that. Who, who, would, who, would, who would go along with that? We read about a lot of miracles, but we definitely do not see God moving the way I believe he can move in our lives. And um, I was having my devotion back in November, and God sh- showed me something in his word from the books of First and Second Samuel, which I believe is one of the reasons that we don't see enough miracles. And I'm, hopefully it will help you understand a little bit more of who God is and how he works. And um, it's going to help you move towards your breakthrough. And so, and my, my desire today is that whatever you've written down on your piece of paper, that you will see happen. That is my prayer for you today. And so we're, going to, we're just going to move towards that. And uh, we're going to draw some thoughts from the life of David. Who loves David? I love David. He's the guy who just keeps bouncing back. You know, every setback he comes back. And uh, I love David. And uh, he gets knocked down. He comes up again. And uh, so we're going to draw some thoughts. We're going to draw four separate draw four separate thoughts from four portions from the first and second Samuel. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of. uh, brief background to each uh, passage, um, just to help you understand. For some of you, you, you're kind of well-schooled in the Word of God and you understand that. Maybe for some of you it's your first time in church and you don't really understand too much about the Bible, so I want to try and help some people understand. Before Jesus came to earth and died on the cross, he, um, God would speak to us through these people called prophets. Okay, so there were prophets. Shout out, who knows some prophets' names in the Old Testament? Samuel, Elijah, 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 Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Ezekiel. There was lots of prophets in the Old Testament. And who's glad that today we don't have to wait for a prophet to come and speak to us to tell us what God's saying about Elijah. We have a complete intimate relationship, one-on-one with Jesus Christ. And so I'm so glad we have that today. But back in the day, when, when when David was around, David didn't have an intimate relationship with God. He had to wait for a prophet. To come and speak to him and tell him, and a prophet would predict your future. Okay, now there are prophets around today, and God's called us all to be prophets. But these were real specific callings that God had placed on these individuals' lives. And so, um, at the time, the first we're going to read the, uh, the first passages in First Samuel chapter sixteen, verse one. At the time, the king was called Saul. And God had anointed Saul back in the day. But Saul had beginning to make, had made some some bad mistakes and some errors. And God looked down from heaven and he said, I need to remove Saul and replace him as king over Israel. And so it says, how long will will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? So God rejects Saul. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So God speaks to Samuel. He says, "Go and tell uh, this 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 man called Jesse, tell him that one of his sons is going to be the next king over Israel." Now, does anyone know how many sons Jesse had? Very good. Very good, Phil. Jesse had eight sons. Okay, he had eight sons. Now, Jesse gets seven of his sons and brings them in front of Samuel, and he almost has this kind of you know, they're on, they're on the floor and he walks they, they come past uh, they come past Samuel one at a time, and we, we can read about that in First Samuel 16 verse six. It says, "So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, who was the, the first son of Jesse, and it says, "Surely the Lord's anointed is before him." Each one of Jesse's first seven sons were good-looking, handsome, like your pastor." Uh, big muscles, and um, Jesse assumed Jesse assumed that one of his one of those seven sons was going to be the next king of Israel. But as it says, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so then Samuel says to Jesse, "There must be another son." He says, "Yes, there is one more son, but he is in the field looking after sheep." And so Jesse didn't even assume for a minute that David would qualify to even be in the running to be the next king of Israel. As he said, God looks at the heart. And uh, at 15 years old, at 15 years old, this is my, 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 uh, my drawing board this morning, it's going to help us. At 15 years old, I want us to write this word down. David was anointed... David was anointed king over Israel. Now we're going to move forward a few chapters. I know this is a bit of a Bible study for the first five minutes, but we're going to go somewhere, okay? David was anointed at 15 years old, the next king over Israel. Now we're going to move forward to 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 2. David's boyhood hero was still the current king, which was Saul. But who knows that Saul and David had a bit of a falling out. David killed Goliath, David went and did some crazy things, some good things, he was killing the the Philistines in their tens of thousands. Do you remember that verse? It said, David slayed the tens of thousands, but Saul only slayed the the thousands, and then the girls went into the streets and wrote a song about it. Trust the girls to do that. And so Saul got all upset about it, and um, there was friction between David and Saul. The friction amounted to Saul chasing David for his life. In fact, twice he tried to kill him. Once he tried to stone him to death, second time he tried to put a spear through him. Okay, so this is a pretty tricky thing. Has anyone ever had a hero in their life? Someone they look up to? Who knows that you don't want your hero turning on you? Well, this is exactly what happened. And so David, at one minute he's being anointed the next king of Israel, and the next moment he's experiencing... This word. Disappointed. I don't know about you, but who's ever come out of a service on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning and you're just so full of God's presence? You're just ready to take on the world. But then come Monday morning, the phone rings. Anyone ever experienced that? You go from this spiritual high to this earthly low. That's exactly what David experienced in his life. He went from one moment being anointed the next king of Israel to for the next 15 years being hounded by Saul. And so the anointing party is well and truly over and reality kicks in. I don't know about you, but for some of you, God gave you a promise for your life. God gave you a... He he told you something that's going to happen. He, he described something maybe in a dream or through his word, but then you go through a series or a timeline of disappointment. Has anyone ever experienced that? Okay, I'm in the right room. Okay, that's good. And so... We're going to just move forward just another 15 years into 2 Samuel 2, verse 4. Then the leaders of Judah came to David and crowned him king over Judea. Okay. So this is where we're going this morning. Between anointed and appointed was 15 years. Okay, 15 years. Now they were not easy 15 years, they were 15 years of disappointment. Now the reason that we do not see, one of the reasons we do not see miracles break through and break out like we're believing for is simply this, we get disillusioned in the the season of disappointment. It's not because God hasn't anointed us, because we know in Luke chapter 1 it says the Spirit of the Lord God is upon us and he has anointed us. Every person in this room today, you are anointed. If you're a believer in Christ, you are anointed. You're anointed for what you've written down on that piece of paper on your iPad. You are anointed for that breakthrough. But there is a formula. You see, we want to jump from anointed to appointed straight away. Who would agree? We want to jump, but there is a season of disappointment and most dreams, most miracles, they get lost in the middle. We get, we give up, we give up on God, we leave church, we get hurt and the devil laughs all the way. And this is a formula that didn't, wasn't just, didn't just happen with David, happened with many of the Many of the mighty men and women in the Bible, God anointed them, but they had to go through a season of disappointment to get to their God-given appointment. And so if you're taking notes this morning, the message is called anointed, disappointed and appointed. And I want to give us three quick thoughts. Can I just grab a water? Three quick thoughts on reaching our God-given appointment today the first thought is this, the Holy Spirit anoints us. You know the word anointed has been hijacked by Christian crazies. Has anyone met a Christian crazy? Okay, the word anointed is a really cool word. It just means God's presence alive inside of us. And uh, you you don't have to roll around on the floor to be anointed. God's presence is alive inside of us. And when David was anointed by Samuel, God's presence came alive inside of him. Okay, so God's presence is alive inside of you. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Say say that together. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And he has anointed me. You're anointed today. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. You are anointed and the word anointed means consecrated. It means to be set apart. You are set apart for God's favour and his blessing on your life. And David at a young age, 15 years old, when when Samuel anointed him, He was set apart. There was something different about David. I want to tell you today, there is something different about you. The difference between you and your colleagues at work who are non-believers is the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. And he has anointed you today. He's anointed you. You're anointed in your business. You're anointed in your family. You're anointed in your marriage. You're anointed in every sphere of your life. The theme this month is Be the Change. I've got my bracelet. on. You know how we're going to be the change? With the Spirit of the Lord God upon us. You're not going to do it in your own strength. It's the Spirit of the Lord God that's upon you. And when the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you, He has anointed you. It enables you to change every environment you go in. It enables you to change in your marriage, to change in your finances. It's what the presence of God will do in your life. And some of us just got to stir that gift up inside of us. Paul said you've got to stir up the gifts that are inside of you. And that's why when you come into God's presence, it comes alive. I don't know about you, but I always feel better for coming into God's presence. However tough my week's been, I always leave better from being a moment in God's presence. I like it when it says on that back door, now it's my time. Why does it say that? Because God's presence has been stirred up inside of us and it enables us to face anything that comes our way. And the anointing, it promotes you. The anointing connects you. You know the anointing is far greater than any piece of educational degree, paper. It, it's, it's, it's greater than all that. And I'm not you know, belittling any of that. Because I want to encourage you to do your best in college. Do your best in university. But I want to tell you that the anointing is a fast track to success. It will take you places your degree can never take you. That's what the presence of God can do in your life. And David understood that. You don't go out and face Goliath unless you've got the presence of God alive inside of you. But David wasn't scared. He said, I don't even want Saul's armor. I've got something inside of me. What was that something? It was the presence of God. He stood up and he faced Goliath. He looked him in the eye. He said, victory is going to be mine this day. What is that? It's a confidence, it's not an arrogance, it's a confidence that can only come from God. And Psalm 45 verse 7, I love this. It says, therefore your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. You know when you go into work tomorrow, you are anointed more than the person sitting next to you if you're a believer in Christ. Why? Because the presence of God is alive inside of you. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you everything you need. Chantel my wife is incredible and she she leads worship and you know the reality is Chantel has never had a vocal lesson she's never been taught how to lead worship she's just anointed she's anointed and every person in this room has a gift we're all born with gifts who's got a gift it could be in administration it could be in in sport it could be in many different things we've all got gifts you might not think you're gifted just spend some time with me i'll tell you where your gift is everyone has a gift And God says that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable means unchangeable. He's given you a gift and he will not take it away. But your gift on its own is pretty special. But your gift plus the anointing is an unstoppable force to the kingdom of God. So when you place your gift into God's hands, it's incredible. So I encourage you, don't just operate in your own gift. If you're, if you're anointed for business, don't just operate in the gift of business, uh, business on your own. Operate under the anointing of God and you will see, you will see miracles break out. And David understood this principle as a young boy. He was anointed. All right, that's the fun part. Okay, that's the fu- first part. The Holy Spirit anoints us. Okay, number two, life disappoints us. Talk about coming to earth with a bang. David is being chased for his life. The presence of God is helping him but also hindering him because Saul's seeing it and he's seeing what he's doing and he's, he's feeling threatened, he's feeling insecure. So he tries to kill David. And this was not in the script when Samuel anointed David. Who knows when you get a phone call on a Monday to say that you're being retrenched or you're going to lose your job. Who knows that was not in the script on Sunday when Pastor Phil was preaching a word on faith. Yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone get that? Or yeah. well, you get a bad report from the hospital. But that's, that's in contrary to what yeah. the word of God says or what's being preached on the platform. And most dreams do not get lost in the anointed season. They get lost in the disappointed season. I've got a prophetic word for you for 2014. This is going to blow your socks off. Are you ready? Some of you won't even be able to stand up. Life will disappoint you. I'm sorry, I'm not the guy who's going to tell you. I'm just telling you, who lives in the real world? Okay, that's us. Life throws curveballs. Okay, that's what life does. That's what life does in 2014. 10, I got a phone call from uh, my sister. We would just, we would just had an amazing service in, in, in fact, it was called a touching heaven night in Hillsong in South Africa. And we'd seen hundreds of people that day find Jesus, hundreds, the oldest had been packed. And it was just amazing. I was in a spiritual bubble. You ever been in a bubble? And uh, that night I got a phone call from my sister saying that my dad had got cancer and potentially didn't have long left to live. I went from anointed to disappointed in a matter of seconds. I'm like, but God, we've just been singing about it, surely. And I know for some of you, you've gone through many, many similar things. You've lost loved ones. You've been through trials. and God, where are you? And I don't have all the answers to life. And some of us, we spend the whole of life in the season of disappointment trying to work out Why? And the reality is this, is God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And if you understand that God is sovereign, and if you understand in Romans 8 verse 28 that all things work together for good to those who love God and according to his purposes, you see, you don't have to understand to trust. I do not understand and will never understand why bad things happen to good people. We will never understand that question. Some people go through their whole lives and they spend their whole lives trying to work out that answer to that question and they miss the plans and the purposes that God has for them. I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to work out why my father's life was cut short. Dad was taken on to be with Jesus shortly after. I'm not going to spend my whole life. I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. And for some of you, you're going through some hardships right now and you're questioning God, God, God and God is, all he's saying is, will you trust me? Will you trust me? I never liked tests at school. Did anyone like exams or tests? No, it was just, okay, if you did, well, you can sit in the corner, you special people. But I never, I never enjoyed tests and exams. A few reasons why. One, I hadn't revised. I was, I was playing football too much. And, uh, a couple of other reasons is I used to sit in the exam hall and I'd look around and everyone else was busy writing the answers to the questions and I was thinking, Oh my goodness, you know and I don't do you ever look at those people and think, Oh but the third reason I never liked exams was sitting right at the front was a teacher. Beady eyes <laughs> never smiled. Can almost smell their breath from where you were sitting. You know that teacher? And you, you'd, I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, is this A or is it D? A, is it? And you, you're kind of caught between A and D. And you look up and the person at the front, the teacher at the front, and she was the only person who was 100% sure the answer to the test. And I remember being in a test and I was realizing this when it comes to God. God is a little bit like this that the teacher is always quiet during the test now the reality is this the teacher could have given me the answer but that wouldn't have helped the student that wouldn't have grown me it wouldn't have helped me and God can be a little bit like that I don't know about you does God ever go quiet when you're going for a test He never goes quiet in the anointed moment. I'm in church and, wow, you can feel the presence of God. But when you're going through a, a hard time, God goes quiet. I want to say God might be silent, but He's never absent. And so the teacher is quiet during the test. God does not want to punish His children, He wants to grow His children. So He allows us to go through various disappointments so we can get to our God given appointment. David, at 15 years old, was not ready to run Israel. That's right, yeah. He was not ready for that. He was anointed for that, but he wasn't ready for that. And there is a difference. You are anointed for the miracle that you've written down in your notepad. But you not, might not be ready for it. And David had to go through 15 years of character building. 15 years of being disappointed. 15 years of people letting him down. Anyone ever been let down? 15 years. He wasn't ready to run the military. He wasn't run, ready to run the budgets of Israel at 15 years old. So God says, hey, I'm going to stick you in the oven for 15 years and see what comes out. And this is the thing. This is the thing with who likes home-cooked food? Home-cooked food. i got my mum here and we spent we spent Christmas Day at my mum's and one of the, one of the reasons I couldn't wait... Couldn't wait to get back from South Africa is for a good roast dinner. The English, we love roast dinners, don't we? And uh, mum was up early on Christmas Day stuffing the turkey and preparing the potatoes and the vegetables, and it was in the oven for about eight hours she was preparing that meal. And there was some serious love in that food. But, you know, she could have just gone to up to, to, to and got a microwave roast dinner and stuck it in the microwave for two minutes. But it would have had no flavor. There would have been no character in it. It wouldn't have been anything compared to what she produced in an eight hour period. And some of us want God to act like a microwave. We want to just stick our piece of paper, our miracle in the microwave and press start and two minutes later get it out. God does not work like that. God is a slow cooker God, not a microwave God. And the best meals come out of the slow cooker not the microwave. The best miracles come out of the slow cooker, not the microwave. And for some of you, in the season of disappointment right now, you're exactly where you're meant to be. And the reason that God anoints us is not so we can feel fuzzy in church. The reason, and this is going to be a a kind of a twist for thinking for some of you, the reason God anoints us Is to handle disappointment. Because God understands we live in a world that disappoints us. So why does he give us his presence? Why did he send the Holy Spirit, our helper? Simply this, for us to handle disappointment. I hope the phone doesn't ring tomorrow, but for someone in this room, someone's going to get a phone call tomorrow, and life's going to disappoint them. Now, God doesn't do that to punish you. He does that to grow you, and he's giving you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And if you are prepared to hang in there, your appointment is on its way. I'm going to ask my wife, Chantelle. She's going to come up and share a story with you, her testimony about how life disappointed her and how she navigated that.
2: Wow. You know, the, um, I've... I've been through many of disappointments in life, and around 13 years ago, I um, I got on a plane and left to from LA to Sydney, Australia, to go attend Hillsong Bible College, where that's where I met my strong Englishman, my stallion. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but about 13 years ago, I I did that, and you know, on that plane, I remember uh, getting on that plane, a very a uh, broken, um, hurt disappointed, um, fearful, hateful young girl. And I knew that God was bringing me to a crossroads in my life where I could have stayed living in the past, in the past hurts, or I could move forward into the future that God has for me full of hope, full of dreams, full of life. And, um, as I went on this journey, you know, of, living life forgive, living with forgiveness in my heart i had to think back to the times where life had disappointed me and from as far as i can remember at the age of 3 my my real dad you know my mom was from the gangs in la and my dad was also from the gangs in la they were actually from rival gangs how they got together i have no idea but pretty much that relationship was very toxic and um my My Dad ended up leaving when I was about three years old, and I grew up without a father and I always wanted a love and a- affection from my dad and I never understood why he left me and i I remember crying out and just asking god where what did I do to deserve this why why me i just want I just want to love my Daddy and I want him to love me and so that was my life for the the past you know however many years that those last years of my life and when I was about nine years old, my mom remarried an ex-gang member, an ex-drug addict as well. And I was about nine when, when they got married. And a few months went on and he, you know, he couldn't handle the reality of life. And he went back to drugs and he went back to drugs really hard. And somewhere in that season of, you know, being on the drugs, you know, he ended up, sexually abusing me at the age of nine for many, many months. And it went on for quite some time. And again, here was this man that I never understood why I trusted another man again. And he hurt me all over again. Uh, Those feelings just came back. You know, what did I do to deserve this? Why me, God? And all through that time, my mom, you know, she was very upset, very disillusioned at life and very disappointed and angry and bitter. And she ended up just beating me and my brother, you know, all through life, just beating us and mentally and physically abusing us. And, you know, I just felt trapped. I felt like, what did I do to deserve this? And when I was in Australia, I was, God just gave me another opportunity to Forgive those people that hurt me the most. And I remember sitting there on my bed just every night, just saying, God, I forgive them. God, I forgive them. And I would name them out, and I forgave them in my heart. And then as soon as I forgave them in my heart, I knew that I was still in Australia. And how many of you know that it's, okay, it's, good, it's um, easier to forgive someone at a distance? <laughs> and that's what happened. I, I was like, I forgive them. I forgive them. Every night I would just pray, I forgive them. And as soon as I got, went back two years later, I went back to L.A. And I stepped off that plane and God says, I'm not done. I'm not done. And he said, I need you to go and find those people. And I need you to forgive them face to face. Because not only will you be free, you will also free them. And so I went to every—I went to my my real dad, and I found him. He was living homeless on the street, and I found him, and I told him that I loved him, and I forgave him, and that God had a plan for his life. And I did the same with my mom, and I told her how much I loved her, and I forgave her. <clears throat> and then I went and found my stepdad. And that was hard, and I told him that I loved him and. And I, it was such a freeing experience, and I just knew that God had a plan, and he was going to bring it all together. And now today, you know, my family, we we when John and I come with my daughter, we come back to America, and there's... There's, you, just, you can just sense that God is doing a work in my family's life, in the testimony that has come out. My, my stepfather has found Christ, and my mom, she's just wanting to be a better person. And, you know, there's so many things, that, you know, and God turns everything around. The enemy, what the enemy meant for evil, God, he turned it around for good. So I'm just wanting to encourage you in your disappointment, just know that God is in it all. Amen.
0: Fantastic. What an amazing testimony, hey? A forgiveness. And the thing is with forgiveness like that is, you know, forgiveness doesn't make them right, but it does make you free. And when, you, when, you, when, when Chantal let that go and she forgave her, her, her real dad and her stepdad, and again, I will never understand why those abhorrent, vulgar things happened to my wife, but I have to trust God. I have to and if I try and try and in my mind, work out why God would allow her to go through that i 'm just going to get upset and i 'm going to pull back and i 'm going to get disillusioned. but if I say god i don 't understand, but I do trust. I understand that God in his beautiful scheme and his sovereignty, is able to work out every one of our disappointments. Chantel now, her testimony was uh, put into a video for Hillsong TV and has gone out and literally millions of people have seen her testimony. God can take a test and turn it into a testimony. But you've got to be willing to handle the season of disappointment. Every single one of you, you've been through disappointment. Some of you can relate to some of the things that Chantel said, Dan. My heart, my sympathy, I empathize with you, but I'll never understand what happened, but we have to trust God. And if we trust God, he's able to take that and make something beautiful, make something beautiful from that. And now Chantelle is able to stand up in front of a, a group of you and in, in, in front of many other churches and share the goodness of God. Do we understand? No. Do we trust him? Yes. David said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And we will trust God in every season, the good times or the bad. So the Holy Spirit anoints us, life disappoints us. I'm going to give you four things quickly. Four things to remember if you're going through a season of disappointment. Anyone going through a season of disappointment right now? Here's four quick things because time's running out. The first thing is this. Remember, you're anointed for disappointment. God's anointed you. He's given you every ounce of strength you need to handle disappointment. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure how people handle disappointment without Jesus. When we went through that season of losing my dad, it was hard enough to do it with Jesus, let alone without him. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, he's right there beside you when you're going through that disappointment. And the second thing, uh, the second thing to do when you're going through a a, a season of disappointment is to remember to never develop a wounded spirit. And this is really critical. Saul, David's boyhood hero, has been chasing him for his life. But David recognizes, even though he's been anointed king, he's not been appointed king, that the appointed king right then and there was Saul. He was still the king of Israel. And David said this, he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I don't know how bad your boss is at work, but I can guarantee you he hasn't tried to kill you twice. And David, this is David's boss, and he still says this, I will not speak a word out against him. Why was he saying that? It wasn't for Saul's sake, it was for his sake. He was saying, I will not develop a wounded spirit. There are too many Christians walking around today with wounded spirits. Your life cannot move. Fine. Will you go to heaven? Probably. But will you achieve what God's called you to achieve on earth? No. So I want to encourage you today. I know that many of you have been hurt. If you want to to hang around people long enough, you're going to get hurt. You say, well, I got hurt in this church. Well, let me tell you, you hang around any church for long enough, you're going to get hurt. Because church is full of people. And if you hang around people, you'll get hurt. And the closer you get to people, the closer you see their humanity. So if you're looking for a perfect church where everything's just going to be rosy and dandy, it doesn't exist. That's why God created heaven we just got to learn to deal with the people he places with on earth. So I encourage you, just like Chantel in her testimony, she let it go. She let it go. Don't develop a wounded spirit in the season of disappointment. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Bible says out of it flows the issues of life. The third thing to do in a season of disappointment, it's not an easy thing, but encourage yourself in the Lord. David wasn't getting any encouragement from his leader, Saul. He was feeling lonely. And what he said in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, he was about to be stoned to death. Who knows, that's not a good position to be in. I think of a nice, a lot nicer ways to go than being stoned to death. But David said, he said, I will encourage myself in the Lord. You know, I, I wish tomorrow morning that Chantel and the team and Megan would wake up in your bedroom, and your curtains would fling open, your Bible would jump on your bed, and the worship team would be set up ready to go to lead you into the presence of God. But that logistically is not possible. But what is possible is that you wake up and you say, this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. The presence of God is alive inside of me. His favor is upon me this day. His grace is behind me this day. And suddenly you begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. What are you doing? You're awaking up the Spirit of God inside of you. And some of you, you're waiting to get encouragement from Pastor Phil, from Kelly. You're waiting to get encouragement from everyone else. And God is saying you can actually encourage yourself. You know, there's some days I go for a run and all I say is, John, you are a great husband today. John, you have been a great father to your daughter. Man, you are a great preacher, John. There's days when I get encouragement and there's days I don't. So you know what I do? I encourage myself. I don't have a pity party and say, no one loves me, everyone. No, I start encouraging myself. I start speaking out the word of God over my life. I begin to encourage myself. Some of you moan so much that no one's encouraging. God said, I've given you everything you need. You've got a voice. Begin to build yourself up. Begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. David learned the art of encouraging himself in the Lord. You've got to encourage yourself. Maybe you're not getting encouragement at work. When you go to work, say, you know what, God? I am the best person in this office today. I'm highly skilled. Some of you are looking at me thinking, I'm crazy. You should try it. Don't knock it till you've tried it, as the old saying goes. So number three, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And, uh, you know, some of life's worst chapters, it, they actually make the best stories. You know, and in that season of disappointment. The number four is this. Keep a perspective that an appointment is coming. Whenever I'm going for a season of disappointment, I keep remembering that God is for me. And, you know, the worst storms... Always have an end. You know, you guys suffered in 2000. Hurricane Katrina was in 2005. One of the worst storms on record. But you know what? Even the worst storms have an end. And even the worst storm that you're going through right now, it has an end. And you just got to keep a perspective that your breakthrough is coming. When we went through watching Dad uh, just, you know, begin to pass away with cancer... I remembered one thing that whatever happens, whether he's healed or whether he's taken to be home to be with Jesus, there is an end coming. And whatever you're going through right now, keep a perspective that there is an end coming. And so you've got to remember that you're anointed for it. Don't develop a wounded spirit. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And remember that your breakthrough is coming. Four things to remember. And finally, the Holy Spirit anoints us. Life disappoints us. And number three, and finally, is the worship team. Or, where's the, do you have a keyboard? Who's on the keys? Do you have a keys? Come and tickle those ivories, Josh. Number three, God appoints us. God appoints us. David's appointment was waiting for him. Second Samuel 2 verse 4, the leaders of Judea came to David and they crowned him King of over Judea. If you can handle disappointment, the reward is God's appointment. If you can handle a season of disappointment, a character-building season, God will reward you with an appointment. And as David experienced more disappointment, and this is a word for some of you this morning, as disappointments increased, he didn't realize he was closing in on his God-given appointment. Has anyone experienced right now? Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. They just, it's just like hurdles, one after the other. It's exactly the same with, with David. As the disappointments increased, he was getting closer to his God-given appointment. So let's go back to the start. Let's look at what you've written down on your piece of paper. Let's look at what you've written down on your phone. What do you believe God for today? You're anointed for it. God's given you everything you need. In that season of disappointment, guard your hearts. Courage yourself in the Lord. Remember that your God-given appointment is approaching. And third and finally, God has anointed you for disappointment. I hope that's helped someone today. And you know, this is the thing. Is this equation. Once we get back to the start, we go all the way around again. He anoints us again. We go for another season of disappointment. And then we head into our God-given appointment. It doesn't just stop once. It's a cycle. It's part of the nature of who God is. And today, I don't know what disappointment you're facing, but I know God is for you. And He is able to give you the strength He's able to give you the courage today to get through it. Because as disappointment ends, an appointment awaits. A new day dawns, a miracle is ready. So I want everyone just to stand this morning. We're going to sing this beautiful song.